I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to another episode of Why Would You Tell Me That with at Neil Delamere Comedy and at Dave Today FM uh, on Instagram. If you want to get in touch, get in touch with us there. We're also proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network and there's loads of other episodes. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, shame on you for having a busy life. Shame for shame. You should live your life basically injecting sustenance into your body and then listening over and over and over repeatedly yeah. to this podcast. What this is, is this is every time that there's a new episode, that should be what sustains you. You know, you don't yeah. even need food. Yes. I think the biblical quote is, man does not live by bread alone, but also via a new podcast on Acast. <laughs> Dave Moore, it is your turn to wow me with something that you've brought to the table that I didn't know before. And we'll justify, oh. why would you tell me that? What do you got for me? I'm going to wow you today. I'm going to wow you big time. Ooh. I'm going to introduce you to a YouTuber in part two, which I understand may be a little bit new for a podcast like us, where sometimes we have very professorial and qualified individuals. This person, though, is qualified to talk about the topic of the part two in a way that is only possible if you have lived it. We're going to meet Kuhn B. That is her uh, YouTube username. Kuhn B is from the coldest village on Earth. Ooh, like how cold? Like send your kids to boarding school at seven cold? No, I mean, boarding school would be a luxury in this place. No, like, how about making the decision whether to send your kids to school based on how cold it is? Not like we do it here, where it's like, the pipes have frozen. It's, you know, whether or not they will literally die on the way to school or whether they will stay at home. It is so phenomenally cold in this part of the world. The record temperatures are in the minus 70s. Okay. Centigrade. Okay. That well that's that's extremely interesting. Yep. However, you have you have taken literal cold. I was talking about metaphorical, I mean coldness of heart. <laughs> that, that you clearly grew up in such a loving, loving family that you just immediately took it as it had its literal value. Yes. No, Neil. No. No, of course of course I completely missed that reference you were talking about. <laughs> no. As my parents snuggled me and yeah. rubbed my head and told me everything was going to be me okay. Too. Me too. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. That sounds amazing. Yeah. No, I it love is gonna extremes be of temperature. I love extremes full stop. That's why I talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Basis. Extreme non understanding of references and utter boredom from talking to me. No, this person honestly, Kuhn's gonna blow our minds with some of the realities of living at these temperatures, things that we take for granted that they have to, even the architecture of the buildings is is affected oh, and manipulated wow. by the cold. So there's so much to get to in part two. We will get to all that. But in part one, if you like extremes, you're going to like part one, Neil, because I'm going to tell you about some of the most extreme places you can live around the world. Not cold. We let all the cold stuff stay in part two with Kuhn. But do you know about the most remote but still inhabited island in the world? Uh, I don't. I'm going to say Akel. <laughs> no, perhaps even more remote even than the wonderful than Akel, Akel Island. No, yeah, I love yeah. Island. Uh, no, I don't know. It's probably in the Pacific somewhere, is it? It's actually in the Atlantic, funnily no enough. Way. I would have thought Pacific, because obviously Pacific is so huge. But I guess what happens in the Pacific is... Stays in the Pacific? <laughs> there, are, there are lots of island nations in the Pacific, but they're actually quite close to each other. And then okay. at a point, yes, 
It, to to in one direction there is nothing, but you're still quite close to the other islands. Okay, you know where we're going to clip the fact that you just said in one direction there is nothing. Put it on YouTube and put it on. Uh, probably, I, I'd imagine TikTok, and yeah. they'll come. They'll come for us. Yeah, the fans yeah, will true. come for us. And also the fact that you said what goes on in the Pacific stays in the Pacific. Oh, no, you well, said that. I kind of put those in your words. It does sound like you wrote a mermaid on a stag party. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it was consensual. Hi, Ariel. Um, no, so anyway, it's a place in the Atlantic Ocean called Tristan da Cunha. Okay. So here's how you get there you go from wherever you are in the world and you fly to South Africa. <laughs> that's how you start to go anywhere. That's how you start. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You go from this particular where, place. place you are. <laughs> yeah. You start, start there. Okay. All right. right. No, but you start there. And then what yeah. you do is you go to South Africa. Okay. So, however, you would do that if you. South you know, Africa, okay. Yeah, so if you live in um, Los Angeles, it's going to be a very long flight. If you live in Zimbabwe, it might be a little bit closer, but whatever. You end up in South Africa. Then you take a six-day boat ride. Wow. Six-day six boat days. ride. Yeah, yeah. Into the Atlantic. Yeah. And you have to take a boat because yeah. this island, Tristan da Cunha, is too rocky for there to be any kind of airstrip and too far for any kind of helicopter to make it. So you have to do, you just have to go on this boat. Are you thinking of Skellig Michael? <laughs> Are there loads of puffins? Did this, did the film Star Wars in this place? How far, six days, how far is that in, in miles then roughly? It is thousands of miles from wow. land in any direction. And in fact, the nearest place of civilization, the metropolis, the bustling metropolis of an island called St. Helena is your most nearby neighbor. Uh, and they have a population of 6,127, which in fairness is pretty massive compared to Tristan de Cunha. Is that a Napoleon, St. Helena? Yes, that's where he was exiled to. As I said, bustling metropolis, 6,000 people live there. How many people do you think live in Tristan de Cunha? Um. Uh, okay, so it's got to be under 6,000. I'm going to say 300. Mm. 200 and something was the last census. So it's Ten. not exactly, you know, it's not New York now. 200 people out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, so here's the thing, right? You know that six-day boat ride I talked about? Yeah. That only happens nine times a year. Oh my good so lord! It's not like it's a tourist spot. It's not like you say to yourself, "I'm going to order that on Amazon Prime and get next day delivery," because that ain't happening. Like, <laughs> it, it, no matter how much money Jeff Bezos has, that's not happening. So you would have to get your stuff ordered to South Africa. Then it would take whatever length of time it's going to take until the next boat ride. And if the boat ride has just happened, you could be waiting over a month for the next one to come out. It's only nine boats a year. Now, at the risk of offending the residents of Tristan de Cunha, mm. I hope I don't, but do you know there was an app in Iceland and it had an incest alert on it. This yes. is, Now, it was more than that, but basically the reason, that was the thing that made the headlines in case yeah. you were going off to shift somebody else in a nightclub and make it, t take it further. I, people can work out what shift is if they don't listen to this uh, from, from <laughs> Ireland, right? Um it basically, you put your phone up against somebody else's phone and it beeped if you were related. And this yes. made headlines all the world, all around the world. Not necessarily in parts of Ireland that I grew up in anyway, and a lot of other people <laughs> grew up in. We simply call it culture roulette, where I'm from. Are you related to me? Quite possibly. But I would have thought that if there's 200 people in on this, in this part of the world, surely the risk there is... Yeah. Somewhat exaggerated. It, yeah, it is. And and in fact, we'll talk about another place later on in the podcast where this is just a reality. And in fairness, so far, and we are obviously only a certain length of time away from when it was kind of settled. So far, we haven't seen much in the way of genetic degradation, for example, <laughs> uh, if that's what we want to call it. Um, now, it was because it was only settled in the early 1800s uh, under King George III. It is British, by the way, even okay. though it was called Tristan de Cunha. You can probably work out that there's a Portuguese admiral that found it back in the 1500s. But uh, it was 1816. It became a British settlement. They have no phone network out there, unsurprisingly. There is slow Internet, but apparently the people don't really care about what's going on in the rest of the world. They do, however, care greatly about gossip. And they talk the, the on-island gossip. And perhaps this is 
did you hear that cousin Mary and cousin Philip <laughs> have finally tied the knot? Um, but that that is kind of the most exciting thing that goes around the island is just the local gossip as to who's done what and perhaps whose sheep has done what to what someone's land or whatever it might be. And is is it fishing the main industry or is uh, fishing? Or is is, there... Yeah, because that those nine boats bring over a lot of supplies. It happens in a lot of these remote islands that the boats bring what we would you know term kind of important supplies, but. Fishing then, whatever you can get from the ocean is how you're going to sustain yourself. But let me tell you about an, an opposite but similar scenario. There's a place in the Colombian Caribbean called Santa Cruz del Solte. I'm going to probably butcher that pronunciation. It's the best I can do, right? And that is the most densely populated island in the world. More densely populated than Manhattan? Yeah, four times as dense as Manhattan. Oh, God, you knew I was going to jump on that. So that's <laughs> why you, you lulled me in, didn't you? Did. You didn't I... even say most densely populated something. You just said most densely populated island and then looked me square in the eye <laughs> like like you were holding a big red tea towel and I was a bull going, oh, okay, I'll go for that one. So We are getting to know each other very well, Neil. <laughs> um, okay, here's the thing. The island is 12,000 square yards and I hate that because I don't know what that means, right? So I looked it up. Yeah. The- the average Premier League football pitch is 7,000 square yards. This island is 12,000 square yards. It's, it's just under twice the size of a Premier League football and, pitch. And do you, do you want to know how many people live there? Oh, well, it depends on what, which, I mean, if you're talking all of Chelsea's players that they've recently signed... <laughs> You Chelsea is yeah. actually probably the same, roughly speaking, yeah, as same the density. current island <laughs> Play, that we're talking Player about. density is the same as the population density of this place. Uh, there's actually, there are 1,200 people living on effectively two football pitches. 1,200 people? Are they all totem poles? No. Are they all, are they all, is it like Inspector Gadget? The, <laughs> there's, there, there's only 300 <laughs> Mac coats and yeah. everybody is on, on, a, four people. on, on four people high. <laughs> no, <laughs> genuinely. And, and when you see a picture of this from the air, it's so hard to describe. Forget anything you know about what you think an island in the Caribbean is going to look like. Forget, you know, the sandy beach, the palm tree, the blue waters. There is absolutely none of that. When you look at a picture of this from above, all you see are, I won't even call them houses, all you see are settlement shacks. These people have to make every single inch of this available land a home. So all it is, is in the middle of the sea, there's just suddenly 1,200 people's worth of corrugated iron roofs. Okay, so... I mean, how did the people end up on this particular island? Like, what's so amazing about this island that it, it, it originally attracted that many people there in the first place? The lack of mosquitoes. No. Yep. They were in the Caribbean. They were moving from island to island, as island nations tend to do when they're born. There was a, three or four islands in the, one, in the vicinity. Mosquitoes all over all of them. None on, again, let me try the name, Santa Cruz de la Solte. So the lads moved there. And why is there none there? Don't There's no know. room at this stage. Yeah, at this point, yeah. <laughs> Literally, they have no options. Some other reality checks about this place, right? There's no toilets, no sewage, no running water. Everything they need, like I said, is shipped to the island, except what can be fished. And there's nowhere to bury the dead. So, catapult? No, I wish it was something as exotic as that. They are simply buried on larger neighboring islands that have more land and have the ability to take you know, the dead and have effectively graveyards or whatever. Tourism is on the up because it is renowned worldwide as the most densely populated island. But tourism is difficult because people do come to see the island and they swim at nurse sharks in the little reef around the place. But there's nowhere to stay. There's literally nowhere to stay. You have to travel back to a bigger neighboring island to sleep. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you could probably take a day trip because it's obviously this. it's only 12,000... Square, square yards. yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't take long, I suppose. But if you wanted to get a sense of the place, you'd be over and back a couple of times, you know, to get an idea. Like, But if you want to go and visit the most densely populated island, then make a trip and go to Santa Cruz de la Salte. I don't know if it's something I'd be massively into. I don't mean to no. insult the people who live there, but I mean, I don't particularly like big crowds and I don't particularly like big crowds in 12,000 square yards. I mean, I mean, yeah. It, it's a busker's paradise. 
when you think about it, isn't it? If you were a busker, you just turn up and there's no escape for those poor people no. as you bang out Wonderwall. Going. <laughs> and now I will play U2-1 again for the 97th time. <laughs> Have you come here for forgiveness? Yes. Have you come to raise the dead? No, they're all on a bigger island. <laughs> Um, there's also a place in Australia I want to tell you about called Cooper Pedy or Cooper Petty. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Oh, have you heard of this? A, rings a bell because I've been in South Australia, but I, I okay. don't know what it is. It, it, it's famous for two reasons. So maybe this okay. will jog your memory. Firstly, it's home to 70% of the world's opals. No way. Cadets, Asconas, <laughs> Vectras, just lying around, lads. There's mockers like you wouldn't believe. Peter going, is that, is that where that car went? I'm so glad you got to that before I did. <laughs> I'm I knew so you were glad you did. Oh, <laughs> I had that. And my brain went to an Ireland jersey sponsor. That's, nice. the, that's where my brain went. Nice, Meanwhile, nice. people in, in England are, are losing their mind. And people yeah. in the UK. Voxel. All right, it's Voxel. Okay, we call them Opel over here. It, and everywhere else in the world. Yes, by the way, everywhere else. Yeah, it is a German yes. car brand. Brexit. In fact, I do, remember, <laughs> I do remember there was a tagline they had, right? Yeah. Which was, Wir leben Autos. And I have pigeon German. And I thought to myself, we like cars. I was like, that's not a very sophisticated, like, you know, Vosprung durch Technik or the ultimate driving machine. We like cars. And then I realized, oh no, wir lieben Autos is we like cars. Wir leben Autos is we live cars. So of it is course. quite romantic. I do like that. Do you know the one I don't like when you talk about live? I don't like Centra's one. Live every day. Oh, what yeah. is the alternative? <laughs> live Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. <laughs> Put yourself into an automatic coma on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then Sundays, just that, you just have that day to yourself. Yeah, it, just, it was actually a tie-in with the James Bond franchise. It was live every day, die another day. There was just like all these different kinds of instructions. Do you think they were just in the centre head office? Called, well, spar have under the tree. I don't know what that means. But we think live every day, live every second day. What about live, laugh, love? No, you only live twice. Living daylights. <laughs> live and let live? No. What about live every day? Good man, Gary. Let's yeah, go on holidays. You're hired. Uh, no, obviously, I don't mean Opal Cadets, Asconas, or Vectors. I do mean the sto- the precious the gemstones. Stones. The okay. gemstones, yeah. So there are so many there. So a town built up around the Opal Mines. There are 1,600 people there, and most of them live underground. <laughs> is this ringing bells yet? Like, y- Yeah. Is it, be- is it because of high temperatures? Yeah. Or is it like, because of... It gets so hot in this place so unforgivingly hot like 44 degrees in the shade is kind of normal this is the opposite of what we're going to talk about in part two like 44 degrees in the shade is dangerous for all humans but particularly dangerous for babies small animals and irish people like this is a genuine threat to our existence yeah you basically i'd imagine people in cooper pd don't don't even have a thermometer. They just have um, like a cage with ginger people in. Right? Yes, yes. And, they, and they open the door of a morning before they start to shift and they push Derek out. And if Derek, if Derek spontaneously explodes, right? If, if you open the door and then just get hit by freckles that have exploded off Derek's body. <laughs> oh my God, that's a mole. Um, you just... Shut the door and don't go yeah, out there. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Not a good idea. God, that is properly hot, isn't it? No, and I so assume if it's, 40, if it's 44 degrees, then it probably goes to 50. Exactly. 50. What's it like under direct sunlight at noon or whatever? Like, you know, phenomenal temperatures. And I thought I would tell you very quickly before we finish up part one, some stuff about the general density on Earth, right? So the global average is that if everyone was set exactly equally apart, all whatever there is, 8 billion of us now, the next person would be 150 meters from you. Okay. okay yeah. So that's like, if now if forget like that we can't stand on a mountain or we can't stand on the thing. But if we just all could, there'd be 150 meters between you and the next person. That works out roughly at about 50 people per square kilometer. That's the global average. Okay. So okay. bear that in mind. If you take all 8 billion of us and you work out our average, there's about 50 people per square kilometer. However, there's a place in Bangladesh called Dhaka. The capital. And that has the capital. Yeah. Yes, we're going to get to Neil's knowledge of capitals. Uh, Dhaka in Bangladesh has listened to this. I said 50 is the global average. Yeah. 44 and a half thousand people per square kilometer. 
God. Is that the, so, is that the largest kind of big area that's in, that in city in terms populated. of cities? Yes, that is the most densely populated city. There are areas that are even more densely populated. For example, Dharavi is an area in Mumbai in India. It's not not the city of Mumbai, but yeah. in that area, the reported density is two hundred thousand people per square kilometer. You'd have to your fan, fancy your chances if you were ugly. <laughs> Now, and I'm taking this as when I was a teenage boy, and you know you you, you were you were trying it on with the people you might uh, be attracted to, and you're trying to chat the people up, and you're not doing well, and they say to you, "I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot barge ball." Now, the denser the population, I mean, if we keep going up by eighty eighty billion, <laughs> well, ah, actually that place that place in Colombia, I wouldn't yeah. touch him with a ten foot barge ball. You have no fucking choice. No choice. No, there's not 10 feet between anybody. Your barge ball would have to be one of those collapsible, like a like an aerial. <laughs> yeah. But think about that for a second. Like, am I right in thinking, like, I'm going to pick a city. Is Galway about 200,000 people? Oh, right? it's, it's not. No, it's not even that. It's no, not even. Is yeah. Limerick? Cork is only about 130 or 40,000 people. You're in joking. The city, in the city itself. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's just say, let's take Cork and some surrounding suburbs and say that's 200,000 people. Okay. Imagine that. In a one by one kilometer scenario, that's what this place Daravi in Mumbai is like. So the entire population of Cork and its surrounding area jammed into a one by one kilometer scenario is what you're dealing with if you live there. But that isn't even the most densely populated place ever, Neil. Can we just think about how how distilled the spirit of Cork people would be if there was that many people? <laughs> They would just be, they would just, they wouldn't even be able to say anything else. You just say hello and they'd be like, Cork! <laughs> because Cork is very Cork. I love playing Cork. Yeah, yeah, it's very Cork. And they're great, they're a great audience, but they're very Cork people they from are. Cork. And they love being from Cork. But if you forced them into a smaller area and essentially compacted and compressed the Corkness of them, it would be Cork concentrate is what it would be, yes, basically. yes. So this says the population of Cork is two hundred twenty-two thousand. So that's uh... okay. So okay. So not a bad analogy. So imagine the population of Cork wow. in a one by one kilometer area. Like this is what you're dealing with there, and it's not even the most densely populated place ever. You've probably heard of this. There's a place called Kowloon Wall City, which is in Hong Kong. Okay? okay, they've made movies about this. They've made movies set in this. They've recreated the set to make action movies. It's phenomenal. It was demolished in the 1990s, okay? But it was a phenomenally dense cluster of 12-story apartment buildings around a tiny courtyard that had alleyways that ended up being like tunnels. Jumbo jets swooped directly overhead because they were going to the old Kai Tak airport that was there. And when it was subject to a census in 1987, it had more than 30,000 people living within these 12 apartment blocks, which works out, Neil, to a density of over a million people per square kilometre. A million. Oh, I, I don't know if I'd cope well with a million people in a square kilometre. I don't you? think you'd cope well at all. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean... You, Grafton you, Street yeah, in December yeah, does it for me, to you be honest barely, with you. you barely deal with the fact that we do this podcast remotely and you have to be in the presence of another human, even via a computer. So I don't really <laughs> know how you'd cope in a situation where within this tiny apartment block, there are 30,000 people living there. I would cope well with 30,000 people as long as I was facing them and they were all <laughs> facing me. Yeah. I'm very comfortable in that scenario. <laughs> Yeah, and if they're all paying tickets prices, he's very, very happy. Ah, that that's amazing. That that's like like an ant colony or something. No, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. And there's amazing movies made uh, with that kind of Kowloon city. The idea of it, and and some of them are amazing kung fu movies and action movies. Definitely worth watching. But look, I think that's enough population talk for part one. Enough wild places to live. We're going to investigate probably the wildest, certainly the coldest place you can live on Earth with Kune B. She's going to join us in a sec. And why would you tell me that? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, welcome back to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That? And I told you, Neil, and the rest of our audience, that I would introduce you to Kune B, who is a YouTuber who has just phenomenal content on YouTube. Uh, this is what attracted me to having a conversation with Kune because Kune is from and has amazing videos about the coldest village on earth called Yakutia. Kune, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for inviting, and I'm really Happy to be here with you. Can I just very quickly show off to Neil and all the rest of our listeners? When I say <laughs> that I can speak Russian, they don't really sometimes believe me. So I'll just say, like, very quickly, Privyet, dobro pozhalovat, mnie zavut David, ochim prijatna, i ja nadeo, što u nas budit razgavor atlični svodnja. Wow, this is really impressive. This is really good Russian. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? Did he say it was a good Russian, but, like, he said, where is the closest... Library, please. <laughs> what is the best way to the main station? Or did he say something that was reasonably conversational? It's just really important words that you need to learn. Like yeah. the first <laughs> words. Yeah, hello, my name is David. I am five. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have two brothers and four sisters. I live in... No, no, that's real Russian right there. Okay, so let, let's talk about Yakutia, though, because the first thing I think people should try and understand is where Yakutia is so that it can claim to be the coldest village on earth. So explain the location of it. So Yakutia is located in the northeastern part of Siberia. And uh, it's one of the largest uh, region in the world in terms of the territory. And it has about 3 million square kilometers. And it can fit five countries like France. <laughs> five and France. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In one region and in our Republic, Sahaya Kutia, we uh, have like 34 districts. And the capital of Republic is Yakutsk, where I was born. Okay, so Yakutsk is a, is a big city, right? I mean, a, a big population um, in Yakutsk? Uh, it's about uh, 400,000 people, yeah. The, the village where there are 800 people, what's the name of that place? Of 800 people, the videos which is being recorded is in the, um, in the eastern part of Yakutia. So it's a small village. And there are like so many, those kind of small villages around Yakutia. There are 34 districts and each district has, for example, hundreds of small villages. So okay. there are so many cities, towns, villages around this big republic. And what was the name of the village that you do your videos in? I've been doing in Suntar, which is like a small village. Suntar. Um, probably, yeah, you have never heard of <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, but yeah. that's kind of the whole point to try and educate everybody on it. So, my okay. mother was from Suntar. That's what? such a what? coincidence. <laughs> oh my God. So in Suntar and in Yakutsk, the city where you were born, like 
I know we're making this claim that it's the coldest area on Earth, but let's explain to Neil and to everybody else just how cold it gets. Like, what are the extremely low temperatures that you will experience during wintertime? So the extremely low temperatures, which was recorded, it was minus 71 degrees Celsius, uh, which is minus 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Actually, this year, it was really, really cold as well. In Yakutsk city, I think it was about for one week, we have been experiencing minus 61 degrees Celsius in Yakutsk city. And I often try to explain to people about the winters that I had in Russia. And it was St. Petersburg. It was definitely not Yakutsk. It was definitely not Northeastern Siberia. But I tried to explain that to me, to try and make people understand it, I felt like saying that the temperature works the same way going backwards from zero as it does going forwards from zero. So in other words, people understand when I say today it's 10 degrees and in the summertime it's 25 degrees. But I've tried to explain that the same is true the other way. When it's minus 10, it's so much different than when it's minus 25. They're two completely different yeah. experiences. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think because I was born there and for me it's already a norm to experience this cold winter. But because I've been uh, studying in Moscow before and I've been living there for five years and mm-hmm. I was returning back to my hometown uh, for uh, holidays. And whenever I was returning back to my hometown, by like when I like uh, go out from the airport, the freezing air is such a, it's really difficult to breathe and it's really difficult to your lungs when you like not used to it. But when you used to it, where you was, when you was born in this climate, it's become a norm. Right. So, yes. And when you, even when you move away and you still live in Russia, where you still have extreme winters in Moscow, it's just not the same as it is in, in Republic of Saka, yeah. I, I've done shows in Montreal. Uh, and There's a big comedy festival in, called Just for Laughs. And um, one of the things that one of the guys was saying that is that during winter there, where it gets down to minus 10, minus 20, minus 30, basically people live indoors. And the commute to work is through the underground and through tunnels, essentially. And you don't really have to go above ground. So how much time do you spend outdoors when it's minus 60 degrees? Well, we uh, still have to go to the office. We still have to go to the school. I remember like I used to always take a bus to my school and it was about, I think, 30 minutes away from my home to school. And sometimes uh, the bus didn't come uh, arrive by time and I have to wait for 10, 15 minutes outside uh, waiting my bus. And I remember that day when I was almost cried because it was really freezingly cold yeah. and um, it was really painful and like I wanted to cry but I knew that if I will cry it will become like icicles on yes, my face. Yes, yeah. I remember that happened to me in minus 36. My eyelids froze together because of the little bit of moisture but they actually yes. locked together and I had to go inside. My friend led me as if I was blind so that his hands could warm up a little bit and he could eventually rub my eyes and make them thaw out. So th- actually, I do want to talk about the, the kids going to school in particular. In one of your videos, there's an amazing line, and Neil and everyone else who's listening who thinks about like when, when we have a, a, a very cold weather here, we think it's cold, like maybe minus one or minus two. Sometimes, you know, the pipes will freeze in the school and there's no heating. So the children have to stay at home. We call it a snow day. Everyone's so happy when we get a snow day as a kid. But there's an amazing rule, it seems, in one of your videos that the kids are allowed to go to school up until it's minus 54. But at minus 55, they're allowed to stay home. Yes. uh, And I remember like when I was a kid, I was always like waiting every weekend. I was like listening this weather (laughs) forecast and I was really, really hoping that it's minus 55. So (laughs) I don't need to go to school. But (laughs) even when it's like minus 54, you still have to go to school. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's only one degree's difference. You still have to go because it's just a law. Who decided that? Who went? <laughs> minus 54 is fine. That 10 year old, that hardy 10 year old, they're fine. Uh, minus 55, that's that's a step too far. I mean, we're not animals. I mean, yeah. but, but isn't it true as well that you mustn't wear metal framed glasses? 
Yes, because the metal can stick to your skin, yeah. So now when you're a kid and it gets cold in Ireland and you dare one of the other kids to lick a farm gate. Yeah. And then it, their tongue freezes. I did freezes. it once, yeah. <laughs> I did it once when I was kids. Yeah. And I had that experience that I was stick to the, to the like metal thing. And my friends just like took me out from that. Uh, they helped me to oh, take, no. take me through that. It was like really bad. Yeah. Was that a gaze or something? What did you lick? I just like, I think it was like a, a, the, for the kids, like playground for kids. And we were just playing there. <laughs> and then we were just like experimenting there because all of my friends did it as well. And when it was my turn, I think I, somehow I got to stick to that metal. But my friends didn't. I don't know how, <laughs> but I got stick. As a child, I mean, you must obviously go to school for, you know, the length of time that school is on. But after that, do you have to, I don't know, help around with the family and do things like chop wood for the... Because I know you, you guys keep, don't you keep your wood stoves burning like all the time in the wintertime? Yeah, I was born in the city, so uh, I was always living in the apartment. So uh, when you live in the apartment in, in city, in Yakutsk city, you have everything. You have heating um, and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. You have a heater, you have a water, everything, all of the facilities. But in the villages, the people they don't have any facilities. Like they have to uh, use the wood burning stove. They don't have any water facilities because because these villages are located quite quite far away from the capital city, and it's quite expensive to build these pipes. And you can't drill because there is a permafrost. So uh, most of the villages, they don't have any facilities. So the people have to live. Even in Yakutsk, isn't it true that the pipes are above ground? Because yes. permafrost yeah. is 300 meters deep. You can't, you can't yeah. drill in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have those kind of land landscape in our city. Mm. And also the buildings. We tell Neil and everyone else about how you must build buildings not on the ground. Yeah, you have to build the buildings a few feet above the ground because it prevents uh, the permafrost from thawing. So the people have to build it above the ground. Isn't that funny, Neil, that like you must stop the heat of the building would melt the permafrost enough yeah. that it would be unstable. So you build stilts and the houses yes. sit on top of the stilts. This is how the, all of the buildings are look like in Yakutsk. In terms of those smaller villages... What is the main industry? I mean, it's a very inhospitable place to live. So what what attracted people there in the first place? Are there mines? Are, are there minerals? Is there fishing? Why did why did people move there in the first place? And are those industries still uh, existent? I think most of the people, they do farming. But there are also like because the, uh, our republic is really big and each district uh, has its capital kind of capital village. And in that capital village, there are so many things going on as well. They have a lot of supermarkets, shops. People are trying to do different stuff, like doing some crafts, uh, doing some farming, selling their like organic food. And also the people who live in the village, they always say that they always keep them keep themselves busy because they have so many things to do, like to take care of their house, take care of their family, take care of their farm. And they are doing hunting, doing crafts and selling those crafts. So this is the main thing. Tell Neil as well about driving, because driving is quite difficult in that area. And also, if you have a car, you must really work on your car a lot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you have to heat your, I mean, like to prepare your car in advance from autumn onwards to protect your car from freezing. So the people are changing their, like, put the second layer of window, heating their engine. Yeah, I saw in your video, it's like um, a layer of felt that you put on top of the engine to stop the engine yes, part and the yeah. oils freezing and everything like that. And then, as you said, you also wrap the, the windows in another window, an attachable window to, to give it effectively double glazing, I suppose. Yeah, the second layer of window. Yeah. Also, I, you can't turn the engine off uh, when you're driving. For example, if you drive a car and uh, you just stop near your office for five hours, and then your car will freeze. Yeah, you have to leave it on, Neil. So you just leave your car, do you leave your car running throughout the entire winter? No, no, no. Uh, if you, the most, like most people have the heated garage and they oh. keep their car in the heated garage. But if you like 
if your office doesn't have a heated garage, you have to leave your car uh, running all the time and uh, running like during your office work time. Oh, right? During, during. So you leave your house where you have a heated garage, you drive to your office, you leave the car yeah. running in the office for eight or nine hours and um the Green Party hunts you down afterwards <laughs> well, of course, for, for the emissions. In Ireland, we would think, okay, well, you know, you're, you're going to build an underground car park and park your cars down beneath the office, but you can't put an underground car park in the permafrost. Yeah, and I think not many people, like, I mean, half people, they have heated garage, half people, they don't have heated mm. garage because it's quite also expensive to maintain. Yeah. You have to keep keep it warm as well, your garage. So I think people just leave it outside to freeze from autumn until spring. So you don't use your car during the winter. I've seen some some pictures and videos of it looks like just a cover over the car. What's that called? This is a, a new invention, yeah. uh, which came like maybe five years ago. This is like keeps keep your car runs every five minutes. So you can just leave it on the car and then it will automatically turn the engine on and then it will heat the car and then right. after for a while after 10 15 minutes it will turn off and then after like maybe also 20 10 minutes it will it turn, turn back on, on. okay turn okay. back on yeah that's so smart so the temperature never drops below that certain level and yes you know you said uh, in in the villages they they don't have pipes because it's obviously far from the city and you know you can't put pipes underground as dave said so in terms of the water needs and baths and showers and toilets and all that sort of stuff what way did they do that they like every every autumn uh, the family goes to the uh, river nearby to collect the ice for the for the year winter so they just collect these ice blocks to use it throughout the winter to drinking uh, they mainly drink this water for showering as well basically for everything yeah and they're taking the river water for drinking but they can just take the ice from the lakes nearby for like um showering or for households right because river water is flowing so it would be naturally clean but then your lake water you can just shower or use for the bathroom or whatever yes Yeah. yeah yeah Overall, what like what are the main dangers? I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that exposure to cold is very, very dangerous. And staying outside, you said you stayed outside for 15, 20 minutes waiting on a bus and you nearly wanted to cry. But I mean, really, mm-hmm. it is dangerous. It is so dangerous to be outside. So are there any other dangers like are there any, you know, predator animals or there wolves or anything like that or bears that you need to look out for? All of those animals, they are living deep inside of the forest, so they're not coming to the villages most of the time. But uh, it's it's uh, quite dangerous for hunters who is going to the to the forest to hunt. In terms of dangerous, dangerous, I think the weather is quite dangerous because there are, we have some, unfortunately, some cases when some people uh, because because the some car accident because the engine could freeze while you are traveling from one village to another village oh, and yeah. it takes a really long time it takes like it can take even two days driving to from one village to another because it's huge territory and um, once your engine freezes like not everywhere is mobile mobile connection and you can't call anyone and you will be just stuck there and then there was some cases when the people just froze to death because of that so so you must then you we talked about you know preparing your car for the winter but you must be very confident in your car when you go on a journey even of this is very dangerous yeah yeah. and i'm all every time when i we have a filming i think it's really really dangerous because the i think the one time we have been filming about the extreme camping and it was about 30 kilometers away from the village. It was really dangerous because you never know when your car will freeze and you have to take this risk. And there are no mobile connection as well. And yeah, you have to just like make sure that your car works really well. And do you get many tourists who go there just to experience the most extreme temperatures in the world? Or, or is it off the beaten track, shall we say? Yeah, it's becoming more and more popular. 
and we are getting uh, a lot of foreigners who is coming to one village called Oymekon, which is, uh, has this recorded lowest temperature, uh, minus 71 degrees. And they are always coming to that village to experience the winter. I think we had one Italian uh, cyclist who, were, who was cycling. A cyclist? Yeah, t- cycling from one town to another. If anything bad happens to him, he deserves it, right? <laughs> He's cycling in a place that is minus 71 degrees. I have no sympathy for him. Like, no, any uh, local people will do that. <laughs> no, no, yeah. definitely not. June, what about you? You said you're studying in Moscow. So when did you leave Yakutsk? Uh, well, I left my hometown at my 16 years old. I studied in Moscow and then I studied in China as well. I lived in China for uh, six years. And so where are you right now? Um, now I am in Dubai. In Dubai. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah. I have some a Very, family. very different climate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very different climate. <laughs> you say you're all tough and all the rest, but you're living in the warmest part of the world. I think <laughs> you've decided it's too cold at home. I think. <laughs> so can I just ask, so minus 71 degrees centigrade is the lowest ever temperature in the village that you mentioned yes. there. And you still make kids go to school at minus 54. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. You must look at the film Frozen and think it's like Club Tropicana. They're complete <laughs> wusses in that film. <laughs> and in terms of your YouTube, um, all of the YouTube content that you create about the villages and, and, and where you're from and the city, mm-hmm. uh, has, has that driven a lot of tourist, tourist interest in the, in the area and research interest? This is really what motivates me because well, when I was studying in China and when I was trying to explain where I'm from, uh, nobody knew about my hometown. And I always was introducing myself as like, as I'm from Yakutia and obviously nobody knew about it. But I think now more and more people getting to know about it. And this is what makes me really happy and motivates me. And this is really inspiring. Yeah. And I want to keep doing more amazing videos about because it's really interesting it's something really unique and what are your your dreams then for your career do you hope to to be able to do youtube you know as as something that actually makes you money are you happy to pursue a different career and do this on the side what makes me happy it's that i want to more people know about my hometown and about my cult the culture of my hometown about the amazing people who lives there to share more stories about it to make more great stories share people's life yeah this is what i am planning to do and i hope i can improve my movies uh, filming and make more interesting storytelling well your videos are amazing your storytelling is incredible uh we will put the link to your youtube channel in the show notes so that everybody can go and have a look because it is really fascinating whatever about talking to you about it but (laughs) for people to see the extreme weather, the extreme lifestyle, and try and understand people who live very, very far away from most people who listen to this podcast. It is really interesting to watch. So thank you, Q. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right, welcome back to part three of Why Would You Tell Me That, Neil? I don't know if you have any plans to go and visit the coldest city, village, area, region of Earth. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, I told you about the coldest I've ever been, haven't I? Like, no. And, and I went on the cryotherapy, one of those cryotherapy things, and it's minus 120 degrees or something. What? For how long yeah. were you in that? I, it's only a couple of minutes, but like they, they give you they, they give you gloves and a little hat thing and then they, they little shorts and you're like, there's no point with the shorts because like, <laughs> you're your automatic Ken doll as soon as you walk oh, in there. There is nothing to see in minus one <laughs> either. Like you have to charm it back out. There was basically there's a guy outside with a flute in a basket and he just goes <laughs> Look, looking for your flute. <laughs> Look, basically seeing if your your cobra will come out to play. But it's it's been hurt before. And um, that's fascinating. Like you say, we always have people on who are academics in their field mm, mm. and they're really well versed in it. 
and all our guests so far, Touchwood, have been absolutely brilliant. It's also lovely to talk to somebody who lives this day to day and yeah. goes, goes, well, this is what we do. Of course we do this. And you go, of course you do. But I yes. never thought about it like that. So Kuhn was fab. I also love the fact that Kuhn has decided to now make her home in Dubai, where it's absolutely sweltering all the time. She's going, I never want to go back to that place unless it's for the purposes of making a YouTube video. At some point, her system might, must just, she must be woken up by her nervous system in, in the middle of the night going, what the fuck? Just decide. <laughs> Just Make decide. a decision, Kuhn. <laughs> Make a decision. Well, yeah, but I, I would. I, I we, we will link her YouTube channel in the description in the show notes. Please go and have a look because it's amazing to get her insight into it. But to actually visually see a building on stilts, all of the buildings in the city on stilts, to see how much work it is to get a car to work in this environment, and the videos are all there to show you that the little kid going to school. Like what he has to go through to just get up, get his clothes on and go to school. Honestly, it's phenomenal. So we'll link that in the show notes. Go and have a look and you will not be disappointed. But that's that episode out of the way. We can warm ourselves back up now with the knowledge that Neil Delamere is going to wow us again next week. What have you got for us? Well, talking about warming yourself up, you you know, when I grew up, you'd use turf, you know, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and lots of people still do. Well, I might explain to you why you use that turf for something else, specifically why you throw turf at a corpse. Why you throw turf at a corpse. fuel at a corpse? At a corpse. Yep, that's the pitch for next episode. <laughs> this, and might be, is... this might be the most obtuse tease of an episode I've ever gotten off you before. Why you would throw turf at a corpse? Yeah, there's people. No further the... context. There's people who are listening to this going, "Well, obviously you throw turf at the corpse because it's lighter throwing a corpse at turf." Doesn't make any sense, <laughs> engineering wise. They're not questioning the logic of the impact of turf on corpse face. No, no. But are you engaged? Uh, massively so. I, are I you don't not think entertained? I've, I don't think I've ever been as intrigued, that's for sure. That's all I'm going to tell you. But our guest is doing a PhD. And um, I'm not going to say any more than that. But she is the person to talk about why you would throw turf on a corpse. Okay, we will find out. It sounds like it'll be the absolute most why would you tell me that ever we've had. Uh, go to neildelamere.com forward slash gigs to go and see this man perform comedy in front of thousands and thousands of people. Uh, you can listen to my radio show and of course get in touch with us. We are at Neil Delamere Comedy at Dave Today FM at Why Would You Tell Me That on Instagram. Proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network and we'll see you next time. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 